You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Okay, uh, hi guys. So things are going to be a little different today because we have two guests, but we also are down a host today. So Brittany uh, couldn't make today work, but we have two guests instead. So if you guys want to introduce yourself, you're welcome to do so. Yeah, I'm Sam Bartlett. Mm -hmm. I am Martha's brother. Yep. And I'm Caroline Bartlett. I'm Martha's sister-in-law. Yeah, we've definitely mentioned both Sam and Caroline on podcast episodes in the past. Yep. So I'm Martha's dungeon master. Yes. Uh, I am like a big the nerdy nerd. brother that yep. gets mentioned frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Martha played all my video games when I was a kid. Exactly. My consoles. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the got only reason I episode. got any sort of like oh. video games. Yeah, because I didn't own any, any yeah. of that stuff until college, and even that I think was like. Hand-me-down type stuff. And I still have our original copy of Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX for Game Boy Color. Yeah. That has Martha's name written on it and the Sailor Moon Crescent Moon symbol written in gel pen. I'm that I'm very consistent because I definitely have, within the last 20 years, many things that have my name and like just all of the... astrological symbols yeah. not because i give a fuck about astrological stuff because of sailor moon sailor moon <laughs> yeah yeah but so yeah. no no britney today you no guys britney get us. today but yeah listeners at home it's gonna be a little bit different as far as housekeeping i'll definitely bring this up with britney but we did see at the mountains of multiverse the Multiverse movie. of Madness. Yeah. The, the Mountains of Multiverse. <laughs> because The Mountains of Madness is a Lovecraft oh, story, it has stuck sense. in my head like that, and I like keep being like, right, that's wrong? But I know if I say it, people will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'm not going to say anything about it, except for that I liked it a lot, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. Also, so, they still haven't watched Moon Knight. Which, yes. Which, housekeeping for all of you at home that are wondering... Mm-hmm. Uh, Caroline and I have watched all of it, and it's dope as fuck. Can we curse on this? Yeah. Oh, it's God, It's dope as yeah. fuck. No, you're good to go for cursing. Cool. Um, other news, we have Sam and Caroline visiting this weekend, which is really yep. fun. Out in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. We fun. got to go to your That's awesome uh, nerdy bar last night. Mm-hmm. Millennium Fandom, which Millennium is our Fandom. little um, cute bar. super cool Shout night out. where like, everybody was in... Cosplay, exactly. and it, it, just, a lot it felt of, like a like, mini convention. Exactly. And cool. most of the time, it feels a little bit like a mini convention there. Yeah. So if that's a, uh, if you're ever in Vegas, nerds, uh, check that shit out. Because also, have like a good the time. cleanest bar I have ever been in. Clean it was with so a lot of like antique like all of their. It's like, like a library. It's cool. It's, it's like a library so of nerd swag. Yeah. I want all of their chairs really bad. Yeah, very to comfortable. Just like take like plush chairs, pictures where I'm pretending to drink red wine but not drinking red yeah. wine because it's gross. Uh, other housekeeping, which I'm sure I'll bring up with Brittany, but uh, unfortunately, um, George Perez, who had been sick for mm. a really long time, Southern. passed yesterday. He'd always been. Like, he was a regular at Dragon Con and MegaCon. Uh-huh. He was just, uh, I've met him a couple times. And oh, really? Yeah, he's, uh, I've 
think I've mentioned it before, but he saved Jess and I from like a fucking creepazoid pervert who was really? like trying to get too close in a picture. And he was like, hey, whatever characters you are, I want a picture with you. And we were like, wow. sorry, you don't count. George Perez is asking us for a question. That's awesome. And also he's, yeah, just like a genuinely nice dude. A lot of the cosplayers called him like Uncle George because he mm. just was, yeah. So it's, Rest in peace. The he world was 67. is darker because of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is not yeah. very old. I know. Yeah. And he created a lot of my, like, very favorite characters. He had a huge hand in, like... Wonder Woman, right? Uh, Wonder Woman, Teen Titans. Oh, yeah. really? Lots of Teen Titans stuff cool. is, like, very George mm-hmm. Perez. So that is a sad thing, but needed to be mentioned because... And that's why we're all wearing dude. tiaras this episode. Yes. To commemorate him. Why did he wear tiaras? No. <laughs> Because of Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know anything about comics. (laughs) But yeah, so I guess that's probably enough opening. Um, The preamble. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's that. I guess we'll get into this stuff. Sweet. Um, What's our topic for today, Martha? We're not there yet. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice to have somebody else to fuck up. That's not me. (laughs) Oh, God. So, I'm Martha Bartlett. I'm Sam Bartlett. And I'm Caroline Bartlett. And this is, but first, First, let's let's talk talk nerdy. nerdy. Clank. Clank. All right. So, uh, what are we talking about today? What are you talking about, uh, Visitor Sam? Um, Why should I just call you Visitor Sam the whole time? (laughs) I am Visitor Sam. Um, (laughs) Rub space. My topic for today is the 1980s cartoon Thundercats. Yes. Which is a fantastic show. One of my favorite cartoons. Thunder, 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 <laughs> casting. Oh, God. It, Feel the magic. I was going to say, as far as incredible theme songs go. So good. So good. Holy shit. Yeah. I'll just start to get into it. Yeah. So Thundercats. Thundercats oh, is a. Do you have any sources? Yeah, I do. Uh, let me let me list off my sources real quick. Mm-hmm. Because I almost always forget, unless Brittany's like, shit, your sources. My sources are Wikipedia. Yep. Of course. Did I tell you Wikipedia has emailed me to ask me to put them in my will twice? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, And then they were like, if you don't have a will, we can help set up a will so that you can put Wikipedia (laughs) in your will. And I'm like, are you guys going to kill me? What a leap. Wikipedia has gone from... For the price of a cup of coffee to be like, oh, they still do put that. us in your will, yeah. dude. They're, they're like, <laughs> put a cup of coffee in your will, you, Brad. Uh, you've given to us before. We know that you want to just die and give all of your money to us. <laughs> I'm like, I think you guys are going to put a hit out on me if I put you in my will. Yeah, It I must think, work. I think they'll also be sorely mistaken with the amount of money that I leave them when we die. <laughs> 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 like, ideally... You know, I think best case, you're dying penniless, you know? When people say, like, oh, so-and-so died penniless, that's, like, perfect timing. To use all your pennies up? To die when all of your pennies are gone? Yeah. Like, like you like, you I'm have spent all your money and then you die? Perfect go. timing. Yeah, you yeah, used it all. As long as you weren't penniless for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't want to be like, so-and-so died with, like, $200 in his pocket still. Like, so-and-so that sucks. died in debt. That's, yeah. I, that's... <laughs> well, that's the real dream. <laughs> yeah. To die in debt? Yeah, you don't no. never pay it back. Eat okay. it, you fucking colleges. Anywho. Oh, yeah. 
getting back to sources. So my sources are Wikipedia. Also, my other source is Thundercats Ho, The Making of a Pop Culture Phenomenon, which is a small documentary. It's like 20 to 30 minutes. Nice. uh, Where the executive producer, Arthur Rankin Jr., shares secrets of the show. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. (laughs) Uh, And it also has a ton of the voice actors and producers on it. And they basically talk about how the show was like, you know, kind of right there in the name, a cultural phenomenon and why it was so successful. And um, this, I didn't rewatch it for this, but I also want to give it a shout out. There's another small documentary called Feel the Magic, Hear the Roar, Thundercats Fans Speak Out. And it's an interview featurette in which Will Wheaton and other loyal fans and celebrities um, share their memories and just talk about how great Thundercats is. Awesome. My other source is that I um, have the DVD box set for Thundercats and have watched it front to back multiple, multiple times. Uh, it was one of my first purchases, first major purchases <laughs> I did as a teen. It was one of those things where you're like, I'd throw some real goddamn money at it. Oh, yeah. Now you oh, look at yeah. it and you're like, oh. It was, no, those I look at it and I'm so like, stoked I still have it. Oh, no. It was like 300 Mostly bucks. just a, oh, I had to like really work for this oh, yeah. and now it wouldn't be that much work. It wouldn't be that bad. But it was like, it was like maybe 240 or 300 oh, bucks. That's a lot. How that's a lot. It's, You'll get into it's, that. It's, it's four boxes because okay. uh, each season is a box and each box, each season is maybe like six discs mm-hmm. and I bought it at FYE and uh, oh, FYE, it was Which exactly super tells dope. you how long the time, this happened. The timing of all this. For your entertainment. Is so, it gone now? Is oh, yeah. Your, oh, I yeah, I think it went under. I think it's been long gone. So Thundercats is a cartoon mm-hmm. series from the 80s about humanoid cat aliens that escape their crumbling planet Thundara and find refuge on a new planet, Third Earth. The show follows the adventures of the Thundercats as they survive and thrive on Third Earth while doing battle with the evil forces of the mutants of Plundar, the Lunatax, and, of course, Mumra, one of the greatest Mumra. villains. Mumra the Ever-Living. Yes. One of the greatest villains of, ever, uh, of all time. So it's I'm going to talk... Genuinely scary. Like, he was good. scary. Yeah, like, they... It was... The animation... Uh, I'll yes. get into it in a moment, but the animation is really good and still holds up. I apologize. Uh, and is legitimately I'm scary. A bunch. Please, I think you're cool. supposed to. I know. I played D and D with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I apologize now. That's the difference. <laughs> Instead of me just giving you disadvantage. <laughs> um, it's fine. I earned it. <laughs> so I'm going to talk a little bit about like the creation of the show, some general stuff about it. I'll talk about the storyline a little bit. Then I'm going to talk about like the characters. And then kind of like the legacy of the show. Um, the show was created by Ted Wolf in 1985. Uh, and it was just an idea of his. And he came up with it. And, what if and Thundercats? they interviewed. Is he American? The documentary. Yeah, he's American. The documentary Thundercats Ho, Making a Pop Culture Phenomenon, has his daughter in it because he's passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about like the original art for the series. It's super cool. It talks about how the original ideas were uh, were created. Mm-hmm. And it was produced by Rankin Bass, also known for many popular stop-motion movies. Yes! Such as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, and Year Without a Santa Claus, and Little Drummer Boy. Oh my fucking So first of all, new Rankin Bass, got that one on. Yeah, because I said Arthur Bass Jr. or whatever. Rankin, Rankin yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, Yeah, because I was like, why do I know that name? It's a Rankin Bass property. So, like, Heat Miser and Frost Miser... Same, same universe. Same, yeah, same, same, same canon. Same canon universe. Yeah. 
That was Lino's dad. <laughs> you guys are in this. <laughs> so. Oh, Brit's going to be so sad that like, she loves the heat I know, you were talking about how she loves, like, Christmas. Yeah. So, sorry, Brit. Well, especially, like, I think the Heat Miser Ice Buddy, whatever, what, whatever that one is. Snow Miser, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, is, like, one of her faves. Oh, and yeah. I know the music it's, uh, our editor loves Rankin Bass yeah. uh, specials. I must say, uh, like, I got fond memories of Frosty the Snowman, sort of. Mostly Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph. Uh, I hated but, Frosty. I thought he was a but schmuck. But damn, those, yeah. those models are kind of creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's part of it, though. They all look like, they like the faces are too shiny. Um, They're kind of scary, yeah. I think Rudolph is a little scary. Yeah. I, 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 I like, I uh, the Bumble was scary. The Bumble was scary, Rudolph. The- He's to me. I just am like I want to hug you. Yeah, he became like endearing. You look like a sweet baby later, but, but that's true. He has a bunch of scary teeth. And yeah, and freaky fingers. The finger animation is just kind of scary. Anything just uh. so the show Thundercats is Rankin Bass's one of Rankin Bass's first uses of traditional cell animation <laughs> outside of small effects and their stop motion man uh, stop motion animation productions like Snowfall. And things like that. They would use cell animation for that. That's so cool. Um, The property has swapped hands over years as companies bought other companies. And it's currently controlled by Warner Brothers. Uh, I must say the animation slaps still. Yeah. Um, I remember it being really like... Was it? It was smooth, right? Very smooth. Yeah, and, and like also just they stylized, like really I was curly, say, incredibly. Like these if you took like sweeping lines and like took a random character and put it in that style, I would know exactly immediately. Yeah, and it was um, it's Japanese animated. It was animated by uh, uh, Rankin Bass has a bunch of different animation companies that support it, and it was animated by Pacific Animation Corp. So it is I can't technically. So it, it is like borderline anime. It's pretty much about as close to anime as you could get before anime became mainstream popular in the U.S. So this was like it had this like appeal of like smooth animation, really fantastic like musculature and action and like the angles that were done. And it was because it was basically a, a company that did anime in Japan did all the animation for them. They also had a huge hand in the creative side of it uh in like what these characters looked like how they moved uh i mean you know they obviously had like art to go off of them but like they kind of brought them to life mannerisms and stuff so thundercats spans four seasons it has a whopping 130 episodes dang and ran from 1985 through 1989 nice and then in march 17th 1997 thundercats would be revived with another generation of children in the inaugural launch of Cartoon Network's Toonami blog right. and ran until 1999. So this is when I first shot, saw yeah. the show and when you first saw the show. Exactly. And um, this was the like the launch of Toonami. And then in 1999, Toonami would... That's when Tom was introduced, the Tom character for Toonami. I loved Tom. And that's when I anime started getting, like, super into it. I, I also like thought he was fat. Baby. He had, like, a little fat belly. Yeah, because they made him thinner then they made him and I was like, later. I'm not into yeah. it. He got swole. I wanted him to be cute. Um, also, Thundercats was popular as fuck. It was the number one show at its time, above, like, G.I. Joe, above all these wow, other shows. okay. So, like... 
people think that G.I. Joe and like Transformers are popular. Thundercats beat all of them at the time. They probably think that because of the toys, right? Yeah, because the merchandising was much better. But Thundercats was incredibly popular. So, give a plot synopsis. This is totally copied from Wikipedia. I, I have just, a lot of Wikipedia I was like, copies. I ain't retyping this. No, why um, Thundercats follows the adventures of the eponymous team of heroes, cat-like humanoid aliens on a planet called Third Earth, like I mentioned before. Hmm. The series plot begins with the dying planet Thundera meeting its end, forcing the Thundercats, who are sort of like a Thunderian nobility, to flee their homeworld. As they're fleeing, their fleet is attacked by the Thundarians' enemies, the mutants of planet Plundar. <laughs> who... They're really, really not creative with these names. Oh, yeah. They're just like, just to say, instead of Plunder, let's say Plundar. Plundar. Thunder, Thundaria. Uh, so they destroy yeah. most of the starships in the Thunderfleet. So there was like tons of Thundarians escaping the planet, and all of them pretty much get wiped out, except for two all... ships. Royalty, or just these ones were royalty. Just the, these ones are this is like the flagship that that gotcha, survived. Gotcha. And, are and they the all reason cats? they sur- yeah they're all cat people. Okay. And the reason they survived is because they had the sword of omens. Yep. They were hoping to capture the the fleet to get the mystic sword of omens. And Lionel was a young boy at the time. Lionel's oh. the main character, and he grabs the sword, ends up defending them. The mutants damage the fly the flagship, but the power of the Eye of Thundera, which is like the source of uh, the Thundarians' might, it like lives in the Sword of Omens. It's like this holy magic relic MacGuffin thing, and that drives them back. The ship is damaged enough where they can't get to their original destination, and instead they find a planet nearby that is suitable, which is Third Earth. Uh, and they call it that because it's the third planet from the sun. It's regular ass it's, Earth. Oh. I was going to say, it's definitely just Earth Earth. Yeah, right? it's just Earth. Yeah. It's not like the third iteration of I don't know planet. why they call it third Earth. Uh, but, to make it sound fancier and sci-fi. And it's like yeah. kind of Earth. Like there's, like there's some humans on it. There's also a bunch of like other crazy whack shit. Like the Rober Burbles, which are these robot bears. <laughs> and like little like gnome people. And Rober? like... Snow, snow men uh, that are like these weird like yeti guys. There's a bunch of weird shit, and then there's just like regular dogs and horses and shit. Who knows so what's going have, on like, there? Like a pet dog. That's the world. Cat I want people to with pet dogs. I would like to watch just the like slice of life where they just have a dog. Well, there is a dog in the show. I'll get to that later. So as the ship is trying to make it to Third Earth, it's kind of like your classic thing where they're like, we can't make it to our destination. We're going to try to get to this place. One of them is like, I will steer the ship. And the rest are like, no, but you'll die. And that person is Jaga, who is like their eldest at the time. Um, He volunteers to pilot the ship while the others sleep in capsules. These like... Smalian shit. Yeah, these like like hyperbolic, you know, time capsules or whatever Mm -hmm, you want to call it. In the process, he dies of old age. Oh. But not before ensuring that they reach the destination safely. He's basically like, I'm... Like, you can go in the capsule, but you still age a little bit. And he's like, I would probably just die anyways. So, like, let me save you guys. But also, he must have, it must be very, very lonely to be like, guess I'll just say hi to all my friends' bodies. Yeah. Wow. And I'll just say, I'll get to that one second. Hold on. Put a pin in that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, not at all. Don't be sorry. Uh, the flagship contains the Lord of the Thundercats, Lionel. Um, he is like the heir to the throne mm-hmm. of the Thundarians, um, as well as the Thundercats, 
Chitara, Panthro, Tigra, Wily Kit, Wily Cat, and of course Snarf. We're gonna talk about all of them Snarf. a bunch later. Good lord. So when the Thundercats this is silent meow meow. This is what I was saying for putting a pin in it. When the Thundercats awaken from their suspended animation on Third Earth, it's after ten Galacto years have passed. So Jaga was alone on that ship, dying of old age for ten Galacto years. And and what's a Galacto year? Great question. You know, it's, it's like a really short year. You know, it's like it's, ten days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, our planet is really small, so it just whips around the sun. <laughs> It's like a tennis ball. It's just aging so fast. <laughs> you all just balance very, very, very gingerly on it. Um, or else it gets flung off. So after those ten years, they land on Third Earth, and Lionel discovers that his suspension capsule had uh, was damaged. A crack. And he it had like a crack. And while he was he wasn't fully suspended, he was just slowed. So he ages. Fuck. So Lionel is originally a thirteen-year-old. See, like Wily Kid boy, like Wily Kid or Wily Cat. Then when he awakens on Third Earth, he is like like a hunky jacked man. So he's <laughs> well, getting jacked dream. in suspension. Yeah, but right? secondly, that's the fucking dream. You go to sleep, and ten galactic years later, you wake up and you're like, my pecs are popping. And then you remember that it is actually the nightmare, and you have the you're mind like, my of my weird a, grandpa's dead. A fucking thirteen year old boy oh. in the body of a like Beast jacked twenty five year old. Yeah, you're a nightmare. Oh yeah. god. You haven't even properly done puberty. <laughs> oh, but I bet he made up for last time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> With this I'm, horrible barbed cat penis. <laughs> just the worst. Oh, my God. So, Lino is big and jacked. Uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more when I get into his character. <laughs> and Jog is dead. The mutants of Plundar have also followed them to Third Earth. Because they are still trying to get the Sword of Omens. It's like this big source of power, right? So that conflict that like existed on the original planet has followed them to this new planet, but in smaller numbers. Yes, I Martha, assume question? Mumra drove because that's why he's so goddamn old. So, oh no, is that true? That was a joke. No, it is not true That'd at all. That'd be incredible. Um, they set up their headquarters on Third Earth. They make this thing called Cat's Lair, which is like this their dope ass base. Sick. It looks like a giant yeah. cat, like a big panther head. So the intrusion of these two alien races upon the world. The Thunderans and the Mutants of Plundar does not go unnoticed, however, as a demonic mummified sorcerer calling yeah. himself Mum-Ra recruits <laughs> the mutants to aid him in his campaign to acquire the Eye of Thundera and destroy the Thundercats so that his evil may continue to hold sway over Third Earth. So Mum-Ra is basically like this ancient mummy who's like super evil. I'm going to talk about him more later, but he's just like so a super cool. dope villain. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the storyline kind of basically like the, the story is loosely serialized. Uh, there's kind of like a sort of the monster of the week structure to it. Uh, Occasionally of the week structure is my favorite structure for yeah. literally anything. Yeah. Cause you can just like jump in and out. Yeah. Occasionally they do like multi-part like episodes, uh, or like miniature movies to cover larger plots. The general structure follows that the Thundercats come up against some new evil plot or some new weapon from one of the antagonist groups. Which I did mention another one, the Lunatacks. I'll talk about them more yeah. later. Then they figure out how to win or overcome it. And then they end 
each episode with a moral of the story. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Because that was, ex- oh my god. That was like you a requirement, could not right? escape that at that time. I think it was a requirement to, for children's oh television. Oh was it? I'm pretty sure it was. So, I, I looked into this. Awesome. And this, I was, and this was a part of that documentary. Didn't. <laughs> so, similar to He-Man and other violent shows of the time, or, or shows with depictions of violence, were under a lot of, like, pressure. A lot, a lot of, there are a lot of, like, issues with them. So, a lot of them had lessons in morality hard-baked in to offset the depictions of violence and make the show more palatable to networks and censors. So when they were creating Thundercats, mm-hmm. they wanted it, they created it with that in mind. They wanted it to be a pro-social show for kids. Pro-cats. So okay. they had a child psychologist that supported the show. What? That's His name it. is Robert Kvissis, um, K-V-I-S-I-S, okay. and he consulted on the show. And eventually he got to the point where he would review the rough draft of the scripts and talk about how and be like, hey, like this kind of sounds like a lesson of responsibility and then they would take the script back and write it around that lesson lessons in like responsibility and kindness emotional maturity he was involved early so all these things would be hard baked at the episodes and it because of that process it ended up melding really well with the storyline the morals are obvious because every episode gets ended with it he-man has a very similar structure uh, which would be another interesting G.I. Joe, too, right? G.I. Joe sort of did, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but those Rangers. were very, like, ham-fisted. And you could tell that they just, like, dunked a moral in the end. Because they had this child psychologist, mm-hmm. like, in integrated with the show development process, it was very well done. Yeah. You know, it was it was pretty elegant. And because I of that... I don't even, like, super remember it because I don't remember it being, like... Too in your face. Yeah. But also, it's been a really long time. It definitely, it definitely was. Yeah. Whereas knowing is half the battle, or like yeah. seeing like fucking bulk and skull get like schooled by somebody yeah. because of something dumb. Yeah, I mean, like things like He Man and GI Joe were like almost like PSAs, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas this was really, and, and this wasn't also like a like how GI Joe was like a turn to the camera, talk to the audience. Things mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. This was like more about the characters. And again, but this is because <laughs> Lionel is a 13 year old in an adult's body. Which is, oh. So Lionel is like the perfect reflection of kids watching because he is also a kid who is growing and learning with, he's very naive. Mm-hmm. He's very, I'm just going to jump into this right now. He's so I'm going to talk about the characters. Linus, the protagonist. I really don't think I ever knew that he was 13. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't, don't think I well, ever saw it in the first episode, or yeah, I don't think it, I saw the first. There's episode like a little ever. little Lionel in the first. I watched episode. so many. I watched. And it he's on like TV, kind of so, naked. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Um, he's a cat. I'm sure as long yeah. as you don't see his like cat butthole. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's not it, the cat butthole version of like, cats. It looks like he's supposed to. Have some kind of like leotard, but he's just painted all the same color. But he yeah, also so has like underwear lazy. lines. I got you. Yeah. Oh, kind of like a Ken God, doll. That happened like a Ken doll so with the poseable legs. The, yeah, with the built-in underwear. Yeah, Man, it's very weird. Those with, where you're like, why do you have like a you're flesh-toned, but you have a pocket built-in? <laughs> yeah. Which also you have. Yeah. A, why do you have a pocket? Just like a ridged underwear line. Yeah. You don't have any reason for this. For any nothing can come out of here. Yeah. It yeah, was just what boy in, underwear looked like. Yeah. 
Barbie had underwear. T- well, some of them did. Some of them did. Some, yeah. Martha had a Barbie that had like white frilly plastic underwear. Oh, really? It was strange. Strangely arousing. Oh, you know, I <laughs> yeah. think she was like, the Christmas version, and she had like special tights. Yeah, that oh, over and she got oh, too okay. drunk at the Christmas party and flashed her pants. <laughs> they had a special, so they have a special they Christmas Christmas version for every single year. Like, still, they still do. It's a big goddamn thing. Huh. Yes, yeah, um, among collectors, our uh, editor's wife is a Barbie collector, and she's got like she's got. Ton of them, and whenever we get to go over their house, I'm like, this is so cool. Oh, you have neat. all the like weird, different versions. Yeah, like special outfits. Huh. I love it. Barbies. Cool. Barbies. Yeah. I like Barbies. Barbies, more like burbles, more like Robear burbles. People that lived on Third Earth. Robear burbles. <laughs> <laughs> were bodies. they people or were they creations? They're like bear robots. They're like bear but they robots, live in a but society. they also only had high heeled feet, and you couldn't what? move them at all. No, that's no. Barbie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I was like, <laughs> what? What a detail! They're <laughs> like, they're like cute little guys, and they'd be like, lying on. Imagine that would be incredible. Bear like, robots with well, Barbie feet. You can only they wear have legs that juice. would not quit. <laughs> Boy. They would if like you had to make them bend at all. Yeah, because Barbie's quit, legs quickly. only bent yeah. this Bar- way. And Barbie's then they legs also would went quit very a quickly. little bit side. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you could hyper extend. Bow legged, yeah. like, oh, no. So, Lino's the protagonist. Every cat on the show is modeled after a specific type of big cat, and has like a signature weapon and specialty. Pretty loosely, oh. though. Yeah, pretty loosely. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lion-O is obviously a lion. Should have done Palace um, Cats, imagine. He is... a little, like, fat coot fan. Yeah, I mean, That's I don't think Palace Cats really became, like, a no, well-known they pop they culture thing they until weren't. very recently. So lion is the protagonist, obviously. Like I mentioned, he's, like, a 13-year-old in an adult's body. Yes. Um, his father, was Claudus, <laughs> was the claw. Yeah, was, I got it. Oh, the, is that it? Yeah. Was the, there's a lot of puns. Was the former lord Most of the back. Thundercats on Thundera, but died when the planet was destroyed. He was actually blinded and died. It's actually an episode where uh, there's like some wild time travel shit, and Lionel was able to go and see his dad Die? before he dies. Oh. And it's like mm. incredibly dark. So if, if Lionel's dad is dead, and Lionel's the heir, then Lionel's in charge? Yeah, Lionel's the He's lord like of the Thundercats. He's like the king? Oh, oh, oh. The lord. I didn't but, know if it was like the, a lord, like how England is, like there's lords. No, like sort of a, but he's sort of like a king. But because the planet is destroyed, there's not many Thundercats. So part of the show, part of like the theme of the first series is like getting him ready to become the lord of the Thunder, Thundercats. Okay. So he actually, there's this series of four episodes where he goes through trials that the other three main Thundercats like put him through. Um, and the last one is where he fights like Mumra. Uh, it's super dope. That's like kind of the first like little mini movie sort of really serialized thing. Wicked good. So again, because of like the aging process, those 10 Galacto years that went by, uh, Lino's basically a 13 year old in a man's body. Uh, he is naive and innocent, often falling into traps and tough situations as he is too trusting. <laughs> um, he wields the sword of omens, a relic of the Thundarians that houses the eye of Thundera which is a magical symbol that awakens power within the Thundarans when they see it. Uh, the blade is normally retracted, but extends when Lionel says, the famous line, Thunder, 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 thundercats, ho! 
often this results in the opening of the Eye of Thundera, and then this symbol will project out. I'll look at the symbol. I have it on my tattoo, yep. which is this. Is it like a bat symbol? The, and that is the Eye of Thundera, oh, okay. and that is the symbol of the Thundercats. And this is the Sword of Omens. I have a very on many friends who On my like sick tattoo. The um, symbol just like over his chest. Yep. Just, uh, just the black part, not the red. Also, is that sword supposed to be some sort of a metaphor? For a cat no. penis? <laughs> for a cat penis? Just for any penis. Certainly just for not. You're 13. No. Yeah, well, it fits with cat penises because they poke out like that. They. <laughs> oh no, that was loud. They do. They. I will say they do a really good job of like. There's like no sexualization in this show. That's great. So Thundercats, Thundercats, ho! <laughs> It'll like shoot the symbol out like a spotlight. People who see it gain power. It'll like revive thun- Thundercats that are hurt. All that kind of stuff. The sword can shoot out blasts of energy that damage enemies. It also provides sight beyond sight. Yeah! Where I... Give me sight beyond sight! Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight! <laughs> where Lionel will look through the stylized hilt and cross guard of the sword. Oh, yeah. Uh, it wraps around in these, like, curling features. It's pretty sick. So he can that look through That is a goddamn it. sword sick. It's dope. Sick sword and shit. If you, uh, if you watch that documentary, which, again, is great and short. I, like, got misty-eyed at the end. It's super good. Uh, they show some some early concept art where the hilt was actually more like a mask that had two actual holes that oh, you would look through it. No, it's way better. It's a little doofier. This yeah, is pretty cool. This is so cool because it looks like a sick-ass fucking sword. And the crossguard also like grows and extends yeah. like like branches out in a cool way. So it's it's dope. Cool. Um, so that will give him the ability to like look through magical barriers, scry over long distances, Lion also carries the Claw Shield, which is another relic of Thundera, which looks like a large lion's paw that he wears like a gauntlet. It's got like a grappling hook in it and is like impervious and he can deflect beams and attacks. Lion-O is voiced. I'm going to talk a lot about the voice acting because it's fucking dope. The voice acting, these voice actors go so hard and they really are passionate about it. Uh, And for many of them, this is like their, they credit this as like their the best thing they ever worked on. Oh, I love... First of all, that's it's one of so my cool. favorite things when somebody's like, this is the... If, They're so proud If I worked on anything, this is the one. Yeah. Like, that was, like, Samurai Jack for every person who worked mm. on Samurai Jack. Which, totally. Yeah, that's fair. So, again, I'm going to talk about it a lot, but that Thundercats Ho, the making of the Phenomena, whatever documentary, has all of the voice actors in it, and they're just great. Lino is voiced by Larry Kenny. He's amazing, super energetic guy, just like has the voice of Lionel. Fun fact, he is the father to Kerry Kenny Silver, who is Trudy Weigel on Reno 911. Oh. What? Yep. Weird. So just a quick note on the voice acting. Most voice actors on the show played three or four characters. Some of them, uh, who were more like prolific voice voice actors, played like 30 to 40, playing all the side characters. I love that. Like, the guy who voiced Snarf, uh, whose name is Bob McFadden, he voiced, like, countless side characters. The voice acting is top-notch. The actors just throw themselves in. It's, like, really good. You know, uh, I mentioned the documentary. There are also outtakes on the documentary where they, like, Lionel will be like, what the fuck am I saying? And it's just, like, really funny. Mm -hmm. So you know that they're, like, they are lighthearted. 
So here's the rest of the other Thundercats. Panthro is our Panther character. Uh, he's a master inventor. He wields these nunchucks that have ice and fire powers. He's super strong, they have super ice smart. And fire powers? I definitely yeah. don't remember. That. One end is blue and one is red, and he like shoots an ice beam or like a fire beam. Oh, out. heat miser and what? cold miser. Oh my Shit. god! Way to it's pull it all full together. Circle. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh my fucking that's god! That's wicked good. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I assume He's, that's what he named them, but he just never tells us. Yeah, yeah he does sure. hum the song a lot. <laughs> so he is also the inventor of the crew and invents all their vehicles, like the Thunder Tank and the Feliner, which is their the like air, air airliner, Feliner, oh, is yeah, their jet. First of all, you didn't have to explain that to me <laughs> at all. I'm sad, and I got it immediately. He also, um, I'm not happy about it. He oh. also invented, or he also built Cat's Lair for the most part. Uh, which is their giant cat-shaped base. He is also clearly a black-coated character. Yes. Uh, and is voice acted by Earl Hyman. Hmm. Earl Hyman is also known as Cliff Huxtable's father, Russell Huxtable, oh. on The Cosby Show. Oh. Which, you know, Bill Cosby sucks ass now. Yeah. But, but culturally he, important. Culturally yes. important, and he won an enemy, uh, an Emmy for an it. An enemy. Oh my god! I he wish won it was an, an enema <laughs> for <laughs> it. He got so many enemas for it. He is also a Shakespearean actor uh, playing. I can definitely Othello. hear that. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yep. Is he British? Playing Othello all the time. Nope. And he was also in like a, a showing of *Raisin in the Sun* and ap- adaptations of *Macbeth* and stuff like that. So he's he's just like prolific. Uh, was amazing. He toured Norway and um, was Macbeth in Norway for years and years and years. Ooh, that would be super fucking cool. So pretty pretty like amazing guy to even just have as as a, a character uh, as a voice a actor at all kids? on a cartoon show yeah. for kids. Um, About and again, weird cat people. And again, a clearly black coated character, but also like you know, like th- this is an interesting show because they. There's, like, a couple other characters I'll talk later that are, like, differently abled. And they do a really good job of just, because everyone's cat people, it's not, like, super obvious, right? Yeah. But it's just a great show of, like, acceptance. Everybody is who they is. Everybody has different, everybody is who they is. <laughs> they is who they is. Everybody has different, like, uh, <laughs> strengths and weaknesses. And it's just, like, warms your heart, you know? It's a good show. I like that it warms your heart, but you touched your belly. <laughs> <laughs> warms my belly, too. Where, where is your heart? <laughs> Heart's been sagging down. Uh, so then there is Tigra. Um, Tigra is a tiger character. Mm-hmm. He wields a fire whip. He can also turn invisible. His theme, whip. where Panther... remember the invisibility. God, it, like, I comes have... up so rarely. Which, like, if you can turn invisible... He, like, invisible... spins his whip around himself. That's a magical girl move. Oh, it is. Totally. Ooh. But it's sort of like tigers have camouflage. He can turn invisible. I get it. I know? see it. I Probably can... kind of boring to watch, though. It, like, comes up very rarely. Yeah, You'll see, sense. like, footprints. Oh, okay. You should do it like, Predator, where you see, like, kind of an outline. Except Maybe. for like, oh, yeah. would be hard. I don't know. I don't remember. So, he is a cool character where Panthro is all about, like, intelligence and physical strength. Tigra is more about, like wisdom and like personal integrity. So uh, all of the other Thundercats are there to like teach Lionel certain things. Right. And that, that again goes back to those trials and shit like that to make Lionel into the leader that he needs to be. I will say Tigro is kind of 
does not stand out as much as Panthro no. or Chitara. Agreed. Uh, Panthro is dope. Chitara is cool as shit. Is cool as shit. Chitara is the cheetah character. She is also uh, the the woman character of the Thundercats. Yeah. And the, the the woman. She is. Yeah. She's the woman. Mm. Just like every, well, not every, but just like almost every show from the 80s. Exactly. Like, one Hi, you one only woman. get one. So, I have a lot to say about this. Uh, so, first of all, Chitara uh, being Can Cheetah. Can I just say, just first, I know you please. said that she wasn't sexualized and I 100%. I m- probably agree with that. I, can't I mean, really she's still remember. a babe. But that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. I just wanted to say she's hot as fuck. I mean, like... That's all. Uh, none of the characters are over-sexualized, but they are also all huh. jacked as fuck in yep. spandex. They are, they are all just hot. Yeah. Chitara... Not all hot. Has, Snarf isn't hot. Yeah, and some say. of them are children. You know, Snarf's got a... <laughs> yeah. Some you of them do are you, bud. Uh, so, she's got super speed and a bow staff that can, like, extend out. Um, she is very caring and compassionate... I'm sure there's like some like motherly writing for that that's like pretty tired. But at the same time, she brings something to the show that the other characters don't have those strengths that she lends to Lionel. Uh, she was carefully sculpted by Lee Danacher, who is the supervising producer. So while all of the writers of the show were men, uh, the supervising producer of the show Lee Danacher was a woman. Yay. And she made very sure that this character wasn't over-sexualized, wasn't weakened, and and could stray as far away from token female character tropes as possible. Uh, I was going to say, like, her being motherly isn't a problem, except for her if... She's the only one. And yeah. then it's like, oh... Or well, then it just feels like, oh, women are motherly. And that's not yeah. because... She's a motherly character. Yeah, and and I think it's like, like I don't mean to say she's motherly, like caring for Lionel, like he's a child. No, but she is. Does she care for the babies? Not no. They're not babies. They're they, teenagers. They, they actually. It, that's kind of a weird thing with Wiley Kid and Wiley Cat. When the series starts, they are more mature than Lionel. Because because they are full fledged members of the Thundercats team, where Lionel is like a child. Somewhere. But I will say Chitara, she's not motherly, like, caring for a child. Like, mater- she she's is, maternal. She's compassionate. Oh, okay. I and that's that's something that the other characters don't have. Yeah. She is, like, yeah, she's just, like, compassionate. She's, like, she's sensitive. And just, like, more introspective than the other characters. I think that they ultimately did a really great job balancing that. This is a lot of female fans of the show got into it because Chitara is like a badass, she's cool and she like doesn't stand in the shadow of any of the men on the show. So credit to Lee Danacher. Maybe I'm spelling saying your name wrong. Sounds good. Then there's Wiley Kit and Wiley Cat. Uh, oh, D-A-N-N-A-C-H-E-R. Yeah, so yeah. Then there's Wiley Kit and Wiley Cat. They're twin siblings. They're both young children. Again, they're sort of twins. shown as like the same age as Lionel, but more mature than him because they're like when the show starts, they're official members of the Thundercats, and Lionel isn't. Lionel is like a boy prince that gets protected by them. Mm. So they are a little bit older than him and a little bit more mature, but still get into lots of trouble. They use kind of like tricks and slingshots, and they're a little like 
goofy and wild. Say, and, they're definitely little goons. Yeah, they're kind of like, you know, it's when you're a kid and you're watching it, it's cool to see two kids there. Because you can reflect yourself a little bit on Lionel because he's naive and a kid, but it's great to have like a young. And one uh, of them's a girl, right? Wiley yeah, Kit? Wiley, Wiley Kit, Kit is a, is a girl and, and Wiley Cat is a boy. So it's, nice. it's nice to have like, to have like some, some, for all like the little kid viewers to watch and stuff. Lastly, there is Snarf, who's kind of like the mascot of the Thundercats. He's a totally different race than the Thundarans. He is a Snarf. Oh my god, I hate that. Oh, he's a different race. I didn't know that. Yep. I hate Oh no, I did know that. He's not, uh, or I guess species. I'm using D&D parlance. No, I got uh, Yeah, He's he, a different species. Yeah, different species altogether. He is a Snarf. And his name is Snarf, which is really weird. Oh god. And uh, is Snarf like a cat? That's like being named human. He's like a cat. With it's like a, a big human. belly, if you also he's kind of like scaly, like with like claw hands. He's like a Pokemon. Yeah. He looks like a Pokemon. Oh god, I don't he, like, oh god. He is the comic relief. Um, he has a big heart and uh, has his own episodes where he like saves the day. Like they definitely, he's not always the comic relief. He often operates as Lionel's conscience because he's very wary of danger and worried for everyone's safety. Whereas Lionel is like. Uh, rush in because a thirteen year old and, 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 and naive and yep. stuff. Um, also, that I know <laughs> exactly. we all said exactly the same thing, but in very different yeah. <laughs> Also, Snarf, of course, says his name all the time, all the so time when he talks. So Snarf will be like, "Oh my god, this is my Snarf impression." Oh He'll boy. be like. Yeah, Lionel, snarf, snarf. That's a pretty oh solid. Thank you. Yeah, A plus. Okay. You said you weren't practicing it, but I disagree. I just have that one. I'll I'll do a quick a quick <laughs> rundown. Lionel's like Lionel, sort of omens. Uh Panthro is like Oh Panthro. Tigra says his own name. Literally. Yeah. Well. Hey, Snarf's his own name. That's true. Chitara has kind of like a like an I was alto voice. To Chitara. Yeah. Sort of like that. Wiley Ken and Wiley Cat are like Chitara had a voice that was very much of the cartoons of that fucking age. So the voice actress for for Chitara (laughs) has a bit where she's like, she talks about how she pitched the voice and she says, I didn't want it too high pitched and I wanted it as like a strong alto to like bring forward that strength of the character in the voice. It's so weird that altos are so strong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So it's it's pretty cool. Disney, Um, give me a fucking alto princess, you goddamn weaklings. There's also Jaga. I mentioned Jaga, uh, who piloted the ship, died of old age. He is a mentor to Lionel. and He ghost? He Obi-Wan Kenobi's, like, so hard. When he dies, he fucking vanishes and leaves his clothes on the ground. That's funny. So Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And then he comes back as like this blue spirit all the time to give Lionel advice. So he is like as Obi-Wan Kenobi as you could get. Oh my God. So again, Lionel is the audience. He's young and naive and learning and growing. Chitara is kind and caring. Panthro is strong and smart and Tigra is wise in his personal integrity. And they're all trying to shape and teach Lionel to be like the, the leader. Uh, in season two, more Thundarans are introduced. They find that there's like another ship that crash landed. There's Bengali, oh. who is a white tiger blacksmith with a magical hammer. He fixes the Sword of Omens when uh, it is broken by one of the Lunatacks. There's Pumira. 
She has a sling and healing abilities. She's a babe. I was going to say, I definitely remember her. Yeah, she's super hot. You know. Uh, Chitara wasn't sexualized. Pumaira was a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like, I mean, if you look at a Puma and a Cheeto, which one are you? Yeah, which one are you going to bone down on? While Chitara is in a unitard, Lion-O is also in a unitard with an exposed midriff belly. And Bring Panthro, for men. And Panthro is like literally wearing underwear, a wrestling belt, and two spiked suspenders. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at him! Oh my god! Spiked suspenders. So the last character I haven't talked about yet is Linkso. Linkso is a really cool character. So oh, the an O at the end. Yeah, the, the, the names aren't very creative. Yeah. I think they're funny. So Linkso is a. <laughs> Blind character. Oh yeah, I remember him. I yeah, Stormy Mist. Yes. and he then. sort of talks with a bit of a Sean Connery voice. Yes, oh, he does. Um, so Linkso is a very important character. Bengali, Pumira, they're both sort of like whatever. More cats, and who doesn't love a cat? Yeah, Linkso is really cool because he's blind. He he was blinded during the destruction of Planet Thunder. Oh, there was a flash of fire, and it like burned his eyes. So Ow. he has extra sensory abilities like Daredevil and can Love decipher it. information very quickly using yeah. his Braille board. Oh. So he had an item called the Braille board, which is this invention that was based on the fact that blind people who read Braille yep. read it much faster than how we read words. That's- so he had this this piece of technology where he would interpret information with Braille at speeds way faster than anyone else. So again, a really like cool. Say, that's so cool. Yeah, it's like a really cool moment of representation for people who are blind in a random show about casting. That and also yeah. like what an interesting idea. Great idea. So it's a pretty interesting Neat. thing. So Linkso is just cool. He's also older, mm-hmm. so he kind of is like the he's kind of like reason? a bit of like an elder, very reasonable, um, very wise. You know, it's just sort of a cool character. Uh, there's also a, another character that gets added later on called Snarfer, who is, no. who is Snarf's nephew. Oh. He's very cute and spunky and he's an ace pilot. Um, oh my God. that happens later on in the series when the planet of Thundara is remade by Mumra, who oh. wants to get a relic on there that is called the Sword of Plundar, oh. which is this like double bladed oh spinning scimitar thing that's super dope. You gotta love. And um, oh. by doing that, see, they should have made toys for that. They would. Oh, they did. They oh. totally did. They just weren't. I mean, they, they just didn't pick up in the same way as GI Joe that or Transformers. Sucks. But they were still popular. So I absolutely they were like would've... about as popular as He-Man toys. Hmm, I guess that makes sense. But um, that was when, like, all these other Snarf characters, like, the Snarf population came back on this new planet. And there were such characters as, like, Snarf Egbert and Snarf Oswald, who Um, were, like, these two sort of Tweedledum, Tweedledee, bumbling dudes. Wow, okay. I don't think I watched those parts. Uh, The villains are fantastic in the show. Uh, We already talked about Mumra a bunch and how Mumra was, like, frightening and... Monstrous. Like, very monstrous and like Dark very looking. evil yeah. and spooky. Like lived in this pyramid, uh, worshipped ancient evil spirits. So I'm going to read like a quick synopsis that I I, I was going to rewrite this, but it's just so well done. I figured I'd yank it straight from, from Wikipedia. So 
Mumra is the main villain. Uh, his name is based on Mumia Ra, which is Hebrew for a bad mummy. What? Yep. Uh, he's an undead. He's a bad motherfucker. He's a bad mummy. You a bad mummy. So oh he's God. an undead evil sorcerer bound to the servitude of four malevolent godlike entities. Ooh, I love Known that. as the ancient spirits of evil. He's a native Ooh. to the planet of Third Earth. And his goal is to destroy the Thundercats and ensure his world remains under his control. He resides within the Black Pyramid amid the ruins of what appears to be an ancient Egyptian civilization. Uh, he exists in a decayed, weakened form that must return to a stone sarcophagus to replenish his energy. He can summon like, the power to transform himself vampire into... Vampire and goth vibes. Totally. He turns into this, like, vigorous, muscular I form... definitely remember. ...called Mumra the Ever-Living! So good. Mumra the Ever-Living, for those who couldn't hear what I was saying. Uh, by reciting the incantation, Ancient spirits of evil, transform this decayed form... To Mumra, the ever-living. While in this form, he possesses fortification to his mystical might, casting spells, throwing energy bolts, etc. Uh, to battle his foes. He can also alter his physical form in a variety of alter egos to deceive his enemies. He is seemingly invincible in whatever form he chooses. He appears to have a singular weakness, though. Seeing his own hideous reflection. What neutralizes his ability to remain outside the Black Pyramid and forces him to withdraw there in his emaciated mummy state. Oh, uh, if only you could have gotten some mirrored sunglasses, he would have been ready to roll. So often it's like Lino will like angle his sword yeah. and Mumra will be like, damn, I'm ugly. I gotta leave. And That's so funny. It's a really funny thing. What a weakness. Oh yeah. my god. And he he is like horrified at his own visage because he's he's like slobbering. I was say, he's a big ugly. He's boy. like fangs slobbering, like decaying yeah. flesh. Even when he's in his muscular form, he's, he's like frightening. Yeah. Um, and he he's got some like cat like features going on too. Definitely, they never really address it, but there's Which, something going on there. I wonder if he was like supposed to be a, th- a Thundaran, yeah, or something or like, like an that. Ancient Thundaran that came from before. But he's also native to Third Earth, so it's like. I don't know. Anyways, so he... I did mention there was a dog in the show. And Mumra has a blue undead bulldog companion. Oh, you're right. Named Mamut. I definitely don't remember his name, but that is super funny. And Mamut is capable of flight and supernatural feats of strength and speed. I wish Ransom could fly, but also... It would be a nightmare. Yeah, probably for the best. Uh, Mama is generally evil, although some episodes depict him as having sympathetic qualities. He's a dog. Uh, he's the only living creature Mumra shows any true compassion and love for. And in one episode, after the machine in his evil plan is destroyed, he frantically searches for Mama and upon finding him, apologizes for being so horrible to him because oh he misses God. him. That's yes. so cute. So, um, a very... I have to say this because Brittany isn't here. A very common theme among family annihilators, so people who go and murder their entire goddamn family, uh, is that they don't kill the dog because oh, yeah. they're like so attached. To, you know, because it's it's a dog, um, and a lot of a lot of times, like most brutal killers, don't kill the dog if they're going to kill the people. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so I see it. It makes sense with Mumra. It like that. Parses. 
yeah, you have somebody who actually cares about you regardless of how goddamn terrible you are. Definitely. And monstrous you look. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and it kind of gives him this, like, little buddy sort of thing. Little which, buddy. So, Mumra is mainly... Um, he's a big buddy. He's mainly working with the mutants of Plundar. So, like, when the mutants land, they quickly team up with Mumra, and they're, like, kind of his, like, bumbling mm-hmm. people and stuff, and it's, like, fine, but, like, their dynamic is kind of weird. And Mama gives him someone who's, like, on his side and, like, works for him, you know? Oh, like, it, on his level. Yeah, and on his same level. It, it's kind of like a... I think it's kind of a cool thing. Of course, you know, you get, like, the cats and dogs uh, sort of theme, too. Of course, too, of course. You gotta do it. Yeah. But also, I love, you know, a villain who has a dog who's like, yeah, I love this dog. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, it, it is kind of compassionate. who has a dog, I'm like, I can see it humanizes you. It does humanize him, Rob, yeah. for sure. Even though he's, like, getting super evil at that point. So, in addition to Mumra, I've already talked about a bunch, the mutants of Plundar. They're the eternal enemies of the Thundercats. Their conflict dates back before their time on Third Earth. They follow them to Third Earth, where they build Castle Plundar, this, which is, looks like this giant gargoyle. And they enslave a bunch of the native races of Third Earth and basically force them to work for them. And they're pretty evil dudes. They create inventions and, like, monsters to fuck with the Thundercats. A big theme of the mutants is that they're all, like, pretty stupid. Yes. <laughs> so Slive is, like, a toad lizard man. He's sort of, like, the leader of the mutants. And he will be, like, he loves to say, like, yes, <laughs> uh, all the time. Then there's Monkeyan, who's an ape man. Ugh. He loves to, like, hoot and howl. He's, like, <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, Jackal Man, he's a jackal. Oh, wow. Vulture Man is a vulture. He's a chicken. Uh, and he's the inventor of their group. And then there's uh, some occasional huh. other mutants, like Choice. Rotaro, who is sort of like a, if you look up a picture of Rotaro, he is like definitely has some like problematic Asian stereotypes. Oh, no. Where he has like the like Fu Manchu mustache. Oh. And he doesn't have like a horrible voice or anything like that, but like. It's you. You look at it yourself and make your own judgment. I think it's weird. I have no idea how to spell this. R A T A R O. That would be the problem. It's never wielded in an evil way, but the image, the character but design, that sort of could thing have can been do different. problems, even if it isn't. Yeah, the, yeah. the character design just could yeah, just could have not great. been that. It just didn't need to be that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, he's only in a few episodes. Rotaro is weird because he's very smart. And, oh. and extremely good at what he does. Like, he fucks up the Thundercats a lot. He has some sick eye daggers. Yeah, he's got these dope daggers they with eyes on awesome. them. They are awesome. I and would love something yeah. like that for Christmas. It's pretty sick. He, like, crosses them and shoots beams out. It's, Ooh. like, some cool, some cool shit. Yeah, that's the real thing I want. I would like eye daggers that I can cross and shoot beams out of. Oh, I see. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So... Other than the mutants, and then, you know, there's miscellaneous enemies, of course, Monster of the Week shit. Then, in Season 2, the Lunatacks appear. Uh, they have a giant flying home base. Um, they hail from the moon of Third Earth. And they have this, like, weird family dynamic thing where there's a central mother and her, like, villainous children. That kind of trope. Mm-hmm. They sometimes work with Mumra and the mutants, but often are at odds with them or have, like, a very tenuous alliance. 
Oh, they dwell on the dark side, which is a volcanic region on the far side of Fire Rock Mountain. And they were encased in molten rock by Mumra, and he, like, frees them or something like that. And they basically make this giant fortress called Sky Tomb, where they, like, are fighting all the people in Third Earth. So there's Luna, and she's this, like, extremely tiny, sorceress, evil leader. She's kind of like the mom. I, I definitely don't know. Never mind. The mom part took everything away. Yeah. The rest of that was fitting my dumbass cat. And then she was supposed to be oh, maternal. No. Oh, no. Not no, no. Luna. Like, like she's, like, look up a photo. She's weird. Oh, yeah. But then like, there's a tiny, muck. weird witch. Yeah, that's fair. Then there's a muck who is, like, Luna's loyal servant muck, and muck, almost muck. like her mode of transportation. Like, she, like, rides him like this weird quadrupedal bulldog demon sort of thing. He's very strong and stupid oh. and doesn't really talk. Yep. And there's Aluro, who is uh, this, like, treacherous mind sort of master deception, psychological warfare kind of guy. Then he used, like, a psych club to immobilize enemies. Then there's Tugmug, is who is, like, this Luna's little... my Halloween costume this year. You got to do it. Oh there's Tugmug, who's this, like, little Chongus guy. He's, like, big and fat. Little He's got, Chungus. like, tripod legs that are, like, little pistons. He's the one that breaks the Sword of Omens. He snaps it in half with his bare hands and Bengali repairs it. Then there's Chilla. Surprise, she's got ice powers. And then there's Red Eye. He loves a high co- high caffeine coffee drink. Oh, boy. Yeah, that sounds... And, like, a really late flight, right? Yeah, and a very late flight. Yeah. No. Uh, he has big goddamn red eyes. He's got a big, like, red eye and, like, shoots a beam out of it. Hello? Uh, infrared shit. There are other villains, other recurring villains that... Don't really matter too much. Yeah. Those are the, you, you mentioned the ones that matter to you, and that's all that matters. Yeah. And I found my new Halloween costume, so we're good. Yeah, so that's pretty much like the summation of the Thundercats show. Mm-hmm. They also have left a pretty strong legacy. So there are comic books. There's a bunch of Thundercats comic books. Uh, one was produced by a series produced by Marvel Comics, which is currently owned by Warner Brothers. This version that ran from 1985 to 1988 during the show. And then five series by Wildstorm, which is an imprint of DC uh, that yes. began in 2003. Oh, Wildstorm. There's a bunch of like shows, DVD box sets. Uh, the original series have, you know, there's like a big resurgence in nostalgia for the original series. There's a film adaptation of the series was announced in June 2007. It was going to be a CGI animated feature film. It was unfortunately it was gonna it was set for summer 2010 and it was unfortunately put on hold. So there's two other series. Yep. In 2011, there's a series that had a harder and darker anime look. Uh, I never watched it, but I heard it was decent. Unfortunately, saying, it was a little too gritty and complex stuff, for young like viewers. Also that. Mm-hmm. And it was canceled after one season. I liked their outfits, though. Some yeah, of them were really cute. The character design, like, Panthro is bigger say, Chitara and Chitara is cute as shit. Chitara is a babe. But not, like... Lino's more, like, know, anime cute. protagonist yeah. looks. Uh, it definitely has this, like, cool anime look. That was actually the final animated collaboration for Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass. What? Uh, because Arthur Rankin Jr. died on January 30th, 2014. Um, it's just still so weird that that's also part of it. Also, the former Lino voice actor, Larry Kenny, returned to play the role nice. for Lino's father, Claudus, oh, nice. in the opening two-part series. Oh, I love 
fun. Uh, Will Friedel, voiced Lionel. Friedel. Whatever. I got you. Uh, from Boy Meets, Boy Meets World. World. Oh, uh, Terry McGinnis. Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. Terry McGinnis. From being He's hot. the boy from uh, Kim Possible. Ron Stoppable. Uh, Matt Mercer voices Tigra. Oh my god. From, you know, video game fame and yeah. uh, D&D shit. Uh, critical Role. And then Kevin Michael Richardson voices Panthro. Prolific voice actor. Yeah. Damn. Uh, so that show was stacked, and unfortunately, it, it just didn't do well. What a shame. Uh, didn't engage with kids. Too complex and too dark. Then it should work harder. In 2020, just saying. Thundercats Roar was made. What? Oh. Uh, it is a very lighthearted and cartoony take on the series, similar to Teen Titans Go. Oh, okay. And it was canceled after one season and widely panned by all viewers. <laughs> um Basically, it was, like, too silly and cartoony, and everyone was like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And then, like, the character designs, and it's just very, it it's too so hard the into other cartoons. Way. It's not, not yeah. very palatable. Uh, again, Larry Kenny comes back and voiced Jaga in this series. My God. He's going to voice everybody by the end of his life. <laughs> also, uh. You're not going to tell me he's dead, right? No. Uh, okay, cool. Also, I'm not like a huge fan of Family Guy. I, we all watched it back yeah. in the day. But there is a Family Guy episode. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. Yeah, right. There is a Family Guy episode with a Thundercats like joke, like a, you know, one of their little like cutaway jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Larry Kenny and the voice actress for Chitara, who is Lynn Lipton, they both came back and voice their characters for that episode mm. of Family Guy. Oh, wow. Which I think is just, like, super, super cool. Yeah. Well, it's commitment. Yeah. They, like, and it obviously means that you really liked being these characters. And can joke If you're going to keep coming. And, yeah. Like, even you in the even in the documentary, uh, uh, what did I just say her name was? Laura Lipton? Yeah. Lynn Lipton. Lynn Lipton, uh, in the documentary, like, is talking in Chitara's voice and makes some joke about, like, She's like, oh, Lionel, let's make a baby or something. <laughs> and you're like, damn. That's basically the show. It's awesome. Uh, there's a lot of, like, combat in it. The animation's super dope. Mm-hmm. Lots of, like, really great morals. It was clearly popular for a reason. Um, for me, I love watching this show as a kid. I got the DVD box set. And in our lives, it had a resurgence oh, in college. Oh, boy. As... <laughs> The Thundercats drinking game. I don't oh know that God. I've mentioned the Thundercats drinking game yet on the podcast, and I don't know how it hasn't come up. The Thundercats drinking game came about because it was the you time... Were nerds that wanted to get drunk. There's, there's, yeah, people want to get drunk. And you're in college. And it was in the world of the drinking games where, like, you watch a show, such and such does the thing, you take a drink, right? So it's Still the world. So the original... Yeah, people still do this. Yep. So the original Thundercats drinking game started as you would watch an episode of Thundercats, you would agree on a single word, and when that word was said, you would take a drink. Mm -hmm. Then you'd watch a second episode, and you'd retain the first word, and you'd add another word. Like... So let's say the first when you add like, like yeah like slapjack. you add rules. So yeah, just like slapjack where you add rules. So let's say first episode, you say thunder is your word. Well a choice. Not saying, during the theme. The theme yeah, does themes, not count because they say it literally a thousand times. Musical interludes do not count. You would hear the word Thundercat all the time, the Thunder Tank, 
uh, Lion Thunder, 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 yes. Thunder, <laughs> Thundercats, yep. which is four drinks right there. Jesus. So it's a dangerous game. So you would add in cats sometimes. And this all culminated with a specific episode yep. called Psych Out. Ugh. And this is one Which of the is reasons why the game is called Psycho. Yeah, so this event, the Thundercats drinking game, eventually just became called Psycho because we, once we found this perfect episode, we stopped doing all of you the other. Figured episodes. it out. You we found, unlocked it. Like, yeah, you did the formula enough, and you were like, oh, this is the perfect thing. And not only was this a great way to get blasted very fast. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it was also really quotable and funny. So this is an episode... And it started slow. Yeah, it started slow yes. and ran so It lulls you into a false sense Yeah, you're like, I'm security. fine. These people were lying. And they're like, uh-oh. And then yeah. by the end, oh, no. you want to I have cry. So regrets. So the rules for the episode <laughs> were you would drink when they say thunder. Yeah. You would drink when they say cat. <laughs> you would drink when they say snarf. And then, if you're so inclined, you would smoke some pot. When they say Lion-O. It's a lot of pausing. We were in college at the time. Lots of pot smoking. And uh, this was a great time also to pause and catch up on your debt of drinks. Because often the drinks came so fast that you couldn't keep up and you had to count how many in the hole you were. Remember that snarf impression earlier? That was being very generous about the amount of snarfs. Yeah. So this episode... uh, (laughs) I want to I want to shout out Bob McFadden, who was one of the voices for Linkso, and Doug Price, who was one of the voices for Alluro, and is also credited for Linkso on some websites. So I'm not exactly sure who did it. So this whole episode is Alluro, one of the lunatics, that like psychological guy, flexing his muscles and basically like brainwashing a lot of the Thundercats. I so. This has some super quotable moments that we say a lot. I still say with with my friends, which the classic one is no hope, no chance, (laughs) which you have to say like, no hope, no chance. First of all, I now hearing that, I feel like I should have just figured out that this was a Rankin Bass thing because I feel Uh, like that's such, yeah, it's right on the money. So... Uh, that is when basically Aluro was like convincing all the Thundercats that there was no hope in beating him and and they would this is one of those shows where they'd be like right arm cut under boulder must you know so they would be like no hope stuck to floor yeah yeah (laughs) exactly so there was a lot of that Linkso is great they have to fly through these there's like this clue or this riddle where they have to go like through the stormy mists to the unlit oh. side and Linkso says stormy mists unlit side <laughs> and we say that all the time yeah. stormy mists all the time we like say when the it. weather is like crappy or like, driving through like mists. fog yeah and he could fly through it because of the railboard again because oh. he didn't have to run out of sight that's the, awesome the show starts up there are a few moments of Quick Thundercats snarf stuff. You're drinking a lot. You get a lino break. Continues to a go. Lino break. <laughs> That's and what I call a smoke break at work. <laughs> give me a lino break. And the show, the psych out, culminates with all of the Thundercats have been brainwashed and demoralized by Aluro. Snarf. 
Oh, uh, the only one who, for some reason, is immune to because he's, he's like Brain's different too small. species. You know who knows? Yeah, it's too that. simple. He's a big dum dum reptile. Cat. Uh, he's a weird reptile yeah. cat man. Something he, messed up when they put all these weird parts. Something together. weird. Yeah. He takes it upon himself to grab the sword of omens and attempt to activate it and bring some energy back to the the brainwashed Thunderance. So. Again, the triggers are Thunder, Cat, and Snarf. Oh, my God. So Snarf begins to say, Come on, Lionel! Oh my God, thunder! He's... Thunder! Thunder cats! Ho! Snarf, Snarf, Snarf! Thunder, Thunder, Thunder! Oh thunder God. cats! Ho! Oh snarf, Snarf, Snarf! So you're, like, racking up, like, A million. 15, 16, say, 17 so drinks. so quick, and you're like, I only have so you many can, fingers. Yeah. And I can, can't really count on my toes, because yeah. that's much harder. And, and he says, like, he goes on a run and says Lino in the middle, and you, you like, you just you're pause. You're like, oh my god, please! Can. Everyone catches up. Thank god Those you said who are Lionel. Inclined, and, smoke like, some say pot, it again. And then you jump back in, and it is just so intense. Just, like, constant drinking. <gasps> That's like the moment, and then you just chase out the rest of the episode. So this was a game that me and my friends would play in college, like all the time. I mean, Martha played it, yeah. Caroline played it. When you're in peak form, it equates to drinking like a six pack in thirty minutes, basically. Uh, I never ever drink that much. I feel like ultimately you get yeah. like I, the wrong things to like make oh, this for sure. work out for me it, because it would, I'm a hard alcoholic. Yeah, especially at that age. I was a hard alcohol girl, and I I can't like, drink. You got to do it with like beers or ciders. Of, well, I can't drink a six pack of beer. No, if I have three beers. It's a, it's a volume two. issue at the end of the day. Oh, exactly, it's like painful. I, it and, makes me yeah. sick just thinking about the game. The drink eventually, game. it would really be like you chug two beers fast, and then you sip two beers. Like towards the end of the game, you're yeah. like oh, you're just yeah. like touching it to your lips oh, for yeah, every trigger. And, uh, like, I'm crying. Yeah. yeah and you're, you're like, just I like can't. barely making through it. I, I played it one time with, with my buddy Adam. Oh, I got a shout out because he, he and I did psychouts all the time. Me and my roommates, Juan Andre, we did psychouts all the time. Uh, it was our classic, like, weekend drinking game. And, uh, we would, like, do it before parties and then just never go to the party because we were, like, shithoused and did not want to go. Yeah. I just remember the, like, at least one of the times that we did it. Juan was just like blacked out, like oh, you could, and yeah. oh, like, yeah, very, very obviously so blacked obviously out blacked at out. the end of it. And I was like, "I'm not moving because clearly not." And he was yeah. like, "I'm gonna go out and I don't know talk yeah, to he people." Was like, I'm like that's a choice. He had some like drunken superpowers at that point. Adam and I played it one time with 40s of Steel Reserve, and oh. or maybe once or twice because that was our like drink of choice yeah. for a while. Well, the one time and I it was played rough. it with booze i played it with a hard alcohol like with a, some sort of soda yeah and some sort fucking of like vodka yeah mm. i did it with wine before and that was bad oh, it's God. just so brutal so for the folks at home if you want a great way to torture a your great friends. drinking game and you're under 30 like you're under 25 let's be real oh you should yeah probably be like under 22 if you're gonna make this work and I like agree. live the next day oh the thought of doing it now is just oh, so nauseating I've been drinking this like weird vodka water for like three hours I just yep. want to say this is episode 77 alright the oh. psych out uh, it's a cute episode. It does have a moral. So yeah. It came out in good. September 23rd, 1986. Mumra tells Aluro where to find a talisman that boosts the self-confidence of the one who possesses it. 
so they become nearly invincible. Oh yeah, and Snarf learns true courage comes from within. So this is so Aluro became so powerful because he got this talisman, and he was like, "I'm invincible. I'm balling. You, there's no hope, no chance. Yeah. You guys can eat my ass." And then, Sounds about right. and then Snarf get gets the medallion, and Snarf is like, "Actually, I'm invincible." And you can eat my ass. And everybody's like, no, it's gross. <laughs> I think that's all I got for Thundercats. Thundercats, a great show. Super rewatchable. Very, like, lighthearted. Just feels good. Uh, I feel like I've talked for four hours about Thundercats. I mean, probably close. Helm report. Sir, there's Klingons in the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow! What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek! Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for EarthStationTrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available. Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons? We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot, shoot to, to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! Modern Musicology is a podcast covering topics on rock and pop ranging mostly from the 70s, 80s, and 90s with occasional excursions into the 60s and aughts and even occasionally the 2010s. Anything is fair game. Classic rock, R&B, folk, punk, prog, rap, metal, and way more with two Americans, one Brit, a ton of fun, and a healthy dose of cynicism. So this is, the theme is... We're talking about Shows cartoons from, of our childhood. Yeah, cartoons from our childhood. Yes. So, yeah, mine is going to be significantly less, especially since originally Britt was going to be doing hers with mine, so we were all going to be packed into one episode, which would be holy Well, holy good crap. thing I took two hours to save my Yeah, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Everything worked out the way that it should have. But, yeah, so um, I... Didn't do as much of a deep dive into mine, obviously. You didn't buy the DVD box set? I did I did not buy the DVD box Bummer. set. And I don't really want to. Okay. I'm curious not, what this is. Not in a bad way. Okay. I just, it's not something that I want to own forever and ever on that. Mm. I'm talking about Captain Planet today. And oh, Planet Yeah, exactly. So good. Yeah, when you were talking about all the things having, like, morals, I was like, I'm literally talking about fucking edutainment, where it's like, you're learning something the whole time. We're the planet tears. You can be one, too. Because saving our planet is the thing to do. Looting and polluting is not the way. So here's what Captain Planet has to say. The power is yours. <laughs> I'm like, it's a ca- that song is very catchy so, too. Oh, the theme song, yeah, fucking not, slaps. not the goony little rap the, at the end. The, the theme song for Captain Planet slaps in a very different way than oh the Thundercats God. one. Very different, but still very good. Yeah, but like, I don't know if it was not as like specifically Captain Planet. Like, you could sell that song totally. It's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, the person who sings it has a good voice. I didn't look that up, and I should have, and mm. I didn't. The end. So, Captain Planet, in case you don't know, was an American animated environmentalist superhero television series. In case you were wondering, this is 
ripped straight from Wikipedia. What are your sources? Oh, you're right. Just literally Wikipedia, and I read an article called The Surprising Story Behind the Making of Captain Planet, which Ooh. I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, uh, it's it was like a, a little spoiler for, for the listeners at home. A little spoiler. There's a surprising gonna story that that's going to come later. <laughs> yeah. And you have to listen to all the other shit first because <laughs> it's coming later. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a uh, series created by uh, Barbara Pyle and Ted Turner. And developed by Pyle, Nicholas Boxer, and a bunch of other... There's a whole list of people who developed it. Huh. Uh, Turner was with Turner Program Services. So, you know, all of that stuff. Like Turner Classic Movies and shit like that? Exactly. And uh, by Barbara Pyle was a filmmaker and uh, an environmental activist. So, oh. Yeah. She's pretty cool. And she's the founder of the uh, Captain Planet Foundation. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I am an environmentalist. You are. At home. That's exactly that's what that's I do your, for my like, job. I do environmental engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it uh, was on uh, United States broadcast on TBS from 19, uh, September 15th, 1990 to December 5th, 1992. Mm. And then, um, and then it was back on Cartoon Network from 1994 to 1999. And there was a sequel series, The New Adventures of Captain Planet, which was um, by Hannah Barrera, and that was from 1993 to 1996. Oh, I don't really remember that. I think they all kind of bled together. Yeah. It, it was a similar way that, like, like the Batman Superman Adventures, or, like, Justice League became Justice yeah. League Unlimited. That That's an interesting time frame. Uh, a lot of overlap with that Toonami launch yes. of Thundercats. So this, like, prime... Cartoon time at the Bartlett household. Yes. We were just like consuming it all. Oh my god. Well, and there was a lot of good goddamn shit to consume. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. And it all This had... could be a whole podcast in itself. Oh, absolutely. Is cartoons from our childhood. For real. <laughs> so uh, the program is a form of edutainment. So Love it. Uh, advocates environmentalism and is known for having a number of famous actors providing voices for the villains. Really? For the villains? For the villains and for. Um, so Gaia was Whoopi Gold. Goldberg. No way! Yeah. I don't what? know if she was for every season, but she definitely was for... Whoopi. I know. It's... I know. Yeah, so um, it starts off with, Our world is in peril. Gaia, the spirit of Earth, can no longer stand the terrible destru- destruction plaguing our planet. Which I'm like, oh god, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. How are you doing, Gaia? Guess what, Gaia? Things were pretty good back then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she sends five magic rings to five special young people. Kwame from Africa with the power of Earth. Mm. From North America, Wheeler, who's a goddamn the worst, uh, with the power of fire. What? He's the best. The worst. He's the best. He's so annoying. Oh Wheeler. my god. Fire! Yeah. Ugh. Um, from Eastern Europe, question mark. We didn't specify, but you know, Kwame is from Africa, so I didn't. Yeah, um, that's like a continent. Yeah. You've got Linka with the power of wind, uh, from Asia, okay. Guy with the power of water, and from South America, Mati with the power of heart. Linka was a babe. Linka was a babe. Hard agree. Yeah. Um, when the five powers combine, they summon the Earth's greatest champion, Captain Planet. The power is yours! And then every episode is By up. your powers combined, um, I am Captain, Captain Planet. Planet! You definitely leaned into this, and I'm really about it. Mm-hmm. Every episode is followed up with at least one Planeteer alert clip, 
often connected to the plot, yes. which uh, where environmental, political, and other so- uh, social political issues are discussed and how the viewer can contribute to be part of the solution rather than the pollution. Oh, wow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's good. Yep, right? Very interesting. Like, both of these cartoons, similar time frame, late, mid-late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. Yep. And we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier with G.I. Joe, but that edutainment is a different animal. Yeah. But that kind of, like, ham-fisted cartoon character turning towards the camera and being like, hey, kids, kids. do your homework and skate, mm-hmm. stay in school, you know? Yeah. It, it's interesting. And it was in a lot of things, but done. also, like... Not all of them, like you said with Thundercats, like they hired somebody to do a good job to make it make sense. And um, I'll get into that with this, but um, Gail Pyle worked really hard to make sure that all of this came from real life. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, we're making up scary things to make people scared. It was like, no, these are all things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. So for characters, you have Gaia, who is voiced by Whoopi Goldberg in the first three seasons, and then Margot Kidder in seasons four through six. Margot Mm. Kidder was Lois Lane in the old Superman movies, just in case you didn't know. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I got you. But yeah, uh, she's the spirit of the planet who sends the five magic rings, uh, four with the uh, power to control an element, and then one controlling the element of heart. Ooh, yep. lamest power. Yeah. I'm like, just be Sokka. Unless he could give people cardiac arrest. Ooh. I don't know. Dang, could have been cool. Also, fire is definitely the coolest one. He was just shooting lasers out of that. Room. Yeah. Yeah. The they, other one was like, he was like a fart. Fire was cool. Earth was also cool. Earth was cool. Yeah. I just, like, wind I'm like, wind should have been cool. Water was wind fine. Wind and water both should have been, like. Should have been cool. But Where's the gritty reboot where you just suffocate people with wind? Yeah, like suck the wind out of their lungs. Exactly. Like, and water, you, just you don't make get them any pee their pants. Mm-hmm. And earth, you make them poop Water, their pants. you just uh, put their hand in water while they're asleep. <laughs> and then they're really embarrassed when they woke up. And you're like, well, you're pretty lame. And I took a picture <laughs> of you and everybody knows you. That pissed you at pants. the sleepover. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Your sleeping bag is wet. <laughs> oh, God. Like, yeah, Jokes that, on you! I peed on somebody else's. Sleep that would stop now. me from salute from uh, polluting. Yeah, from saluting, <laughs> from just peeing at all. <laughs> the end. But yeah, so Gaia um, was. Uh, uh, she claims to have been asleep for the entire twentieth century, which I, you know, that's fair. You're not. Yeah. Wrong. Um, and awoken to see seems a like much a very more, convenient excuse, Gaia. A much more polluted world. Than when she was last awake. I mean, she's probably been awake for a really long time. Yeah. You need a nap every now and then. That's why all the dinosaurs died. You know what works for me? That's I just, my canon. I just sleep a little bit every day. Well, that also does work. <laughs> I, I imagine, okay, so if you're, like, immortal, sleeping a little bit every day is probably, like, probably taking boring. many five-minute naps, and it probably sucks. And also, yeah. you probably never feel rested. I don't know if you ever feel rested if you're immortal. You just get to that, like, haze. Mm, I would definitely sleep through several centuries. Yeah, yeah. But also, I would never be immoral because that sounds horrible. Yeah, it sounds lonely. Full nightmare. 
yeah, she wakes and is like, um, yikes, uh, we gotta do something yeah, about this. The last time she was awake, it looks like they, they have a flashback set in the 1920s, which contradicts all of this, and that's when she was also awake. Um, but whatever. I don't remember that mm. episode, so it doesn't matter to me. Very weird. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that. Her physical manifestation, what a terrible way to put that, uh, is that of a beautiful black woman uh, in the part in the two-part episode, Summit to Save Earth, where her rival, Zarm, had defeated her. Zarm! I know. Right? You know, Gaia from, uh, from Greek ancient mythology. Greek mythology. And, and Zarm, Zarm, also from Greek mythology. Hey, it's me, Zarm. Classic dude, Zarm. You know. Reverse Earth. I'm Earth Bizarro. Yeah. Zarm. I'm like kind of Mars, but like only if you squint. Oh. It's definitely not that. It's just that's me yeah. being like anagrams. Just trying to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> what about anagrams? Also, like, love no, that. Leave it alone. Love that guy is a beautiful black woman voiced by Whoopi Goldberg for three seasons and then, and then voiced Margo by Kidder. white woman Margot Kidder for three seasons. Oh, you know, that almost <laughs> never happens. <laughs> and then so you've got. Our boy, Captain Planet, who yep. is a blue dude with a green mullet and a red crop top and red underwear. Red Hell yeah. Boots. He's got red boots. That yep, red right. boots and red gloves. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, clothes, not clothes, clothes, not clothes, clothes, <laughs> not clothes. And it's very fucking funny. You're like a weird pattern. I'm He's into a it. weird, like, gridded... Uh, uh, oblong sort of earth symbol I was going to say, I think it's supposed to be like a globe, but it's yeah. not very well done. I don't know. When all of the planeteers combine their rings, Captain Planet appears, who is basically the avatar of heart magnified, which I was like, I didn't know that. Really? I know. I mean, he's. I'd say he's like the avatar of environmentalism. Yeah. Heart magnified? It's you like, could technically say that heart was supposed to be mag- uh, environmentalism. for the earth. But instead, we got sometimes Mati talks to animals, and most of the time, he doesn't really yeah. know what he's doing, and is the most annoying character. You just had, like, a monkey companion, and... That monkey companion was also annoying, and yeah. I usually like a little buddy. It was weird. He was definitely pretty lame. Not my fave. Joey Wheeler was the coolest. I mean, Wheeler. Whatever. Joey Wheeler's from Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. Maybe that's why I like Wheeler so much. Because <laughs> he makes me think of Yukio. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I was... Fire! I was here for Linka, and I liked Kwame. But... Yeah, Linka was yeah. good. Kwame was good. Uh, who was water? Gee. Fucking lame. Yeah. <laughs> don't like her. I just don't think she, like, did much, but, like, also... The water's not cool. Hard disagree. But like no, like the water ring in the oh, show. No, you're right. I mean, water is great. I'm drinking water right now. So, I was going to say, sure. as an element, and if I could control an element, yeah. water is boss. Totally. But like, I water would do a good one. job, and not. Yeah, I remember her like talking to. Dolphins. I think she just like splashed people sometimes. Yeah, it was like a, a high powered squirt gun, and I'm like, I could just buy a high powered yeah, squirt gun. Yeah, super soaker. That's yeah. not magic. I want a yeah, magic fire I just ring. Don't remember. It. I don't remember it being interesting. I remember Kwame like fucking shit up. Yeah. Wheeler would just like literally blast people with a fucking laser fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like like he just like a line of fucking fire. Like as far as elements go, like one of these is clearly very destructive, mm-hmm. and it is the fire one. Yep, 
The Planeteers are tasked with helping defend the planet from environmental disasters and making efforts to educate humankind to keep other disasters from happening. So good. Yeah. So, in the beginning of the episodes, Gaia uses her planet vision in the crystal chamber to discover where the most devastating destruction is occurring. Crystal chamber. Right? And in most episodes, uh, one or more of the eco-villains is behind it. Mm. And then they send the the planeteers to help solve the problem. Uh, And then they use transportation called a geocruiser. I was wondering, like, how do they get around? Based on solar power. It uses solar power to do that so that they don't pollute themselves. Wow. I know, right? Those guys. I actually love that. So good. They think it all. Yeah, so you've got Kwame, uh, who's from Africa, who has the power of Earth. Mm -hmm. Wheeler... Who is uh, from Brooklyn? Who is, hey, I know has that the power is Joey Wheeler from Yu Gi Oh of fire. Hey, Yug, it is really on the nose from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Kwame was uh, voiced by Lavar Burton, though. No way. Yeah, but Linka is from the Soviet Union in seasons one and two, and Eastern Europe in seasons three through six. Well, the I Soviet know, right? Union fell. Yep, exactly. Um, and she has the power of wind. Guy is from Asia and controls the power of water. And Mati is from Brazil and controls the power of heart. And Suchi sh- is the pet spider monkey. <laughs> oh, Suchi. Suchi. What goon. Um, and then you've got the eco-villains, who are baller and ridiculous. But they were a small group of antagonists who caused danger to the planet through pollution, deforestation, poaching, and other environmentally unsafe activities. So good. Right? They enjoy, they enjoy the destruction they cause the planet and the harm that they bring to obtain wealth, land, or power. So, you know. Just like most of our... Just most like most capitalists. I was going to say, our, our current eco-villains, but same deal. Uh, they tend to work alone most of the time, but they are willing to work with each other when it suits their plans, just like, you know, a good villain team always is. Uh, when the eco-villains are defeated by Captain Planet and the Planeteers, they would usually be arrested by the authorities. Um, in the two-part episode, The Summit to Save Earth, that's the only one that they work as a full team with Zarm as the leader. Zarm. Zarm, you goddamn nerd. Fucking Zarm. Um, and then each of the villains... Oh my god. Do you have a bit about the voices? Uh, not as much. Why? Zarm was voiced by Sting. Zarm was voiced by Sting. I definitely don't have that part on here. So, uh, for our, uh, eco-villains, you, um, they were all, um, specific ways of thought that can cause ecological problems. So you've got Hoggish Greedley, who is voiced by fucking Ed Asner. I'm Ed Asner. Yep. Um, a pig-like human who represents the dangers of overconsumption and greed. Um, Hoggish is the first villain Captain Planet and the Planeteers encounter. Uh, in the episode Smog Hog, it's re- revealed that Hoggish has a son named Hoggish Greedley's Jr., who appears only once and had gotten affected by his polluting Roadhog plot. Uh, because of this, Greedley had to work with Captain Planet to save his son's life. Oh my god. And then, so we've also got Rigger, who is Greedley's main henchman. John Ratzenberger. Yep. You know, Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Uh, Ham from Toy Stories. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But next we've got Verminous Scum, 
who is literally fucking Jeff Goldblum in se- in season one. Wow. And then uh, Maurice LaMarche, who voices, uh, like, the brain in seasons two through five. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you say his name. Uh, he's the second villain to appear in the series. He's part human, part rat creature who represents <laughs> urban blight disease and drug abuse. Nice. Uh, Scum can control rats, which is fucking baller. And he has his own personal helicopter called the Scumocopter. Oh my god. Uh, Scum is rep- responsible for the death of Linka's cousin Boris via drugs in the episode Mind Pollution. Whoa! I know, right? That's intense. Shit. Uh, so we've got Duke and Nukem, who is a doctor who. Um, <laughs> That's like one middle yeah. name initial away from a yeah. lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. Duke and Nukem. I literally don't know how they got it away. Uh, oh, they mentioned this a little bit. Uh, so it's a doctor who changed himself into a radioactive yellow, yellow rock skinned mutant who represents the misuse of nuclear power and the third villain to appear. He's one of the few villains alongside Zarm and Captain Pollution, able to battle Captain Planet one-on-one. Oh, wow. Oh, Captain Pollution. Yeah. Apogee? Apogee? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a company that I assume owned them. Uh, Owns Duke Nukem. Yep. Temporarily renamed the eponymous... Uh, character of the Duke Nukem uh, computer game to Duke Duke Nukem with a U-M to avoid any uh, possible trademark claims they could face from the producers of Captain Planet. Wow. Yeah, so Captain Duke Planet and came Nukem came first. first. Yeah. Wow, Damn. that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Also, it, he uh, Duke and Nukem, I'm reading here, mm-hmm. was voiced by Dean Stockwell. I know, right? Who... Just passed away this past year yeah. in November, and of course was Al Calvici in Quantum Leap, an amazing, amazing show. I've heard and he was also Leap, I think? in Dune as Doctor whatever the fuck his name is. Mm. So next we've got uh, my personal fave, not surprising literally at all, Lady Doctor Barbara Babs Blight. Mm, she was a babe. I remember being attracted to her. She was very hot. Uh, she was voiced by Meg Ryan from 1990 no to 1991. Way. Yep. And then two other people who I don't know. Uh, she's the fourth villain revealed. She's a mad scientist who represents the danger of uncontrolled technology and unethical scientific experimentation. As a result of her self-experimentation, the left half of her face is horribly scarred and is usually hidden by her hair, mm. which I think is a look that she makes work for her personally. Yeah. She has a sister named Bambi, and Bambi is the one who calls her Babs. Oh my god. I love that. So funny. Uh, and then we've got... Loot and Plunder, which I assume is just, like, if you're going to get get as much out of that fucking... Uh, loot and Plunder! Exactly. Theme song as you possibly can. So, uh, Loot and Plunder was a wealthy poacher and a crooked businessman who represents the evils of unethical business actions. Uh, Luton, which is going to be my next... My name is Luton. My name is Luton is the sixth villain to appear, uh, and uh, he happens in the seventh episode. Uh, He also has a nephew named Robin Plunder, so 
obviously his name is robbing plunder robin plunder looting plunder i'm like you guys all suck i hate this but yeah bad guys who like to thieving plunder. plunder his name is steven but he had a lisp so oh. they call him thieving plunder. i like that so much better than actually <laughs> like than naming your goddamn kid Luke. <laughs> that's so silly um and then professor sly sludge who is voiced by martin sheen in oh my god uh, seasons one through three Jim Cummings, who I feel like I know that Jim Cummings name. Cummings is a guy. Oh, Jim Cummings is the voice of Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, yeah. Tasmanian Devil. Like, seems like a prolific job, voice guess, actor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's an unscrupulous waste collector who represents laziness, ignorance, and the dangers of apathy in short-term thinking. And many of his schemes involve waste management, uh, which is an actual environmental issue, but he uh, is also still pretty shitty. He does. He goes about it the wrong way. Blue, blue, blue. Um, and then Zarm. Yes, we've gotten to Zarm. He's voiced by Sting in oh 1990 God. to 1992. Unreal. And then from 1994 to 1995, he's fucking Malcolm McDowell. I'm like, oh my God. No way. Yeah. And David Warner in 1993. I don't know who he is. Zarm, a former spirit of the planet who left Gaia in uh, search of other worlds and ended up laying. Laying other populous planets to ruin, and uh, Gaia has to like balance out his methods. He represents war and destruction. Even though he doesn't have any henchmen, he would often manipulate people to do his bidding. Um, which you know that seems fair. Uh, he promoted hatred and totalitarianism, which he believed were the most dangerous pollutants to mankind. Wow, he looks really stupid. Can I see? I definitely don't remember him like at all. <laughs> he looks like it's. Terrible. Look at these pictures of him. Oh my god, he is very silly. Those villain eyebrows. Classic villain eyebrows. And look at his, like, sweet metal panties. I really am here for it. And shoulder spikes. So chafy. Um, and then also you've got Captain Pollution. So all of those, uh, or five of those guys, uh, you've got Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem has a super radiation ring. Loot and Plunder has a deforestation ring, which that's just depressing. Uh, Sly Sludge, did I mention him? Yeah, okay. I think we talked about Sly. Has a Professor smog, Sly, that yes. was Martin Sheen. Yes, it has a smog ring. Vermin's Gum has a toxics ring. And Dr. Blight has a hate ring. Oh, wow. Girl, I'm into that. But yeah, so each of them combines to make Captain Pollution, and uh, he is weakened whenever he's in contact with pure elements such as clean water or sunlight, but he gains power from pollutants. Seems pretty obvious. This is pretty easy to beat just with the yeah. regular ass rings. Yeah. It's like, I have a ring that shoots pure water Pure out. water. I'm it's my time to, to shine. Fuck up your shit. <laughs> exactly. You got it, Key. Uh, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> you got it, Key. <laughs> but yeah, he says, by your polluting powers combined, I am Captain Pollution. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm reading this quote, and there are six individual ha's with an exclamation point after yes, each one. <laughs> I know, it's incredible. <laughs> So good. But yeah. And then there are some other villains, but I feel like we've gone into the characters really enough. So I did want to mention, as yep. I'm looking at this, Sheriff Mal is Dr. Blight's artificially intelligent husband, voiced by Tim Curry. Oh, damn. Gotta love Tim Curry in literally yep. anything. From the article that I read, basically Captain Planet was a very unlikely hit. It was very preachy, and it is still very preachy. 
Captain Planet was a weird looking dude who was preaching and being like, you're gonna work on oil spills and greenhouse gases and nuclear waste. And you were like, I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am I a child. I can't say nuclear, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I'm still saying nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm still real struggling. So come on. Yeah, he could only be summoned by this fully international, internationally diverse team. Yeah. Um, and when they combined, you'd get Captain Planet. He would fuck up all of these pollution spewing villains. And compared to a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time, not like necessarily like Thundercats, but um, like Batman was happening at the same time. Oh yeah. You get a. Um, X-Men, that sort of thing. You had a lot of, mm. like, dark and brooding superheroes, and Captain Planet was a dork. And you and I know that because we remember him being a dork. Oh, yeah, we watched That's it. That's a fucking Lulu. That's some tough competition from other shows. Absolutely. It was I mean, hard. I still watched it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it was good. Well, that was the thing. Like, it shouldn't have made sense at the time, and yeah. it shouldn't have been as popular as it was, especially since it was, like dorky and preachy but it works really well and a lot of that was because basically they wanted to inspire the next generation to be better about this sort of thing which i think i mean a it's hard to be worse yeah you know i mean yeah things are pretty bad exactly and they really wanted to make sure that the next generation had more like environmental activists who would yeah. grow up into that sort of a hey i mean i yeah like I said, I do environmental work, so maybe it worked. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely more Wheeler environmental pretty people cool. nowadays than oh, there yeah. were before. Totally. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who looked at this and were like, yeah, I mean, they're not wrong. And also, we should all be afraid of these things. And nobody told us about this in school. Definitely. Like, it came up in school at some point, but, you know. It's definitely educational. Yeah. So she, uh, Barbara Pyle and, uh, producer Nick, Nicholas Boxer made it a point to slip as much planetary realness into the show as much, uh, along with their fantastic plot lines. Mm-hmm. Almost every one of the, or not every, but I think almost every one of their ideas was ripped like straight from a headline from a different place. Oh, interesting. Exactly. Yeah, so um, a lot of them were taken from uh, the Global 2000 uh, report to the president, uh, a 1980 paper commissioned by Jimmy Carter that warned of environmental disaster should policies oh. fail to account for the world's booming population growth. It was uh, one of the quotes from the article. Is people ask me, how, did, how on earth did you make this all this stuff up? And she said, well, we didn't make it up. Each episode was based on a real issue in a real culture someplace, uh, which, like, there were, let's see, 113 episodes. Whoa! So... Well, I guess six years yeah. of run times. That, that, that makes sense. It makes sense, but it's also, like, to huh. make sure that each of those touched on an actual real fucking thing... Yeah. ...is fucking bonkers. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, Boxer who was the... Um, producer uh said that it was both revolutionary and flawed um it was very hard to take these really complicated subjects and integrate them seamlessly into good storytelling uh the best episodes felt thoughtful and cohesive the worst ones were kind of a mess and that's definitely true the worst ones were ham-fisted in the way where you were like okay you're like what is happening yeah 
you're like, you're pushing this lesson too much. And also I don't feel anything towards anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So interesting. And then, so pile was very like, like we did our homework and the science was clear and they knew that they would have to worry about this in the future. And then it couldn't just be like one or two people who, who would have to worry. So it was important to get that message out, especially to children. Yeah. So basically preparing us to, for the world that we live in now. Hey. Yep. And here we are. Yeah. So <laughs> as a kid, you focus a lot on the like action sequences. There's some goofy time travel, good over evil yep. thing. And that's always a good time. Powers. Exactly. Powers. Cool superpowers. Blasting people with fire. Yeah. Shooting the shit out of mm-hmm trash with yeah. fire and like as a kid it just seems like it's mostly fiction and then you grow up and you realize that you have to do more than just like recycle and cut the things the plastic rings for your which i unfailing like i would say more than anything i always think about that yeah i definitely think about that whoever came up with the psa for that should come up with the psa for everything yeah, until I they die a few other things because dude. like just that thinking worked? about that Makes me guilty. Like, yeah, totally. I immediately am like, no, I would kill all these animals. Yeah, some it's like turtle is going to be like cut exactly. in half by my yeah. Ring like, of you plastic. should be on top of this shit. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of it was like aimed at trying to get people to be aware that things were happening, that yeah. they would start to do things, but also that like in the future a real and genuine climate crisis was happening and we were going to have to like actually take some sort of uh, action, which hasn't happened yet. But you know, what, what, what can you do? Well, yeah, the action hasn't happened yet. The, the climate crisis oh, yeah. is here, folks. The climate crisis was then and they didn't realize. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lo and behold, it's pretty bad. But yeah, so they have, they have one episode, um, a two parter, uh, season one, one episode, two futures in which uh, Hoggish Greedly decides to open up a golf resort in the Arctic. Nice. Yeah, right. What a guy. Uh, naturally, he and his sidekick solicit the aid of Dr. Blight. Of course. Um, and they dis- his strategy is to go back to the 1950s and burn all the coal and fossil fuels and use global warming to melt all the ice. Oh my god. Yep. The arc is... <laughs> Kind of intense, even though it's really, really fucking silly. Um, and that was because uh, Barbara Pyle was really aware that the secondary audience that was there was the parents. And yeah. she wanted to like kind of make sure that the message was getting through to Wild. everybody. That it was like a cross-generational um, message. Her target demographic was people born around 1985. But she was hoping parents or grandparents watching alongside kids would pick up on the message, too. And That's so weird. Like, if I was hog greedily <laughs> and I had enough money to travel back in time, I just would build my golf course somewhere else. Yeah. You're, and build three so, golf courses. Well, and you'd have to wear so many coats. Like, why, why, why would you want to be there? What the fuck is the point? Yeah, it's what are you doing? wild to be able to purchase land in Antarctica. And, and time travel. Purchase all of the fossil fuels in the past and burn them yeah. all. Like... Just purchase all the fossil fuels and sell them. You've gone, so you've time traveled. Anyways, he, Hog wasn't thinking very yeah. straight. And then, um, so 
because it was family edutainment, they didn't want to paint people's families as evil. So most of the um, the people who are like bad guys aren't like industries; they're behaviors. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's why it wouldn't you wouldn't have somebody, some kid going home being like, "Daddy, you're evil." Yeah, like my dad works in such and such industry. Yeah, it's like your dad yeah. is just trying to fucking make a buck, bro. That makes sense. Yep. I, I think that's a good move. I agree. Yeah, especially at the time where like. Like, you would have people going after you. I feel like that would really be... Yeah, that'd be weird. And then, so, all of the uh, Planeteers are based loosely off of individuals in the environmental movement in the 1980s and 90s. So, Linka was based off of uh, German Green Party co-founder Petra Kelly. Um, oh. Guy, the bearer of the water ring, was uh, inspired by Chi Yoke Ling, a Malaysian human rights advocate who uh, attended the 1992 UN Earth Summit um, conference in Rio de Janeiro. Wheeler is kind of more of an everyman. Yep. No one is surprised by that at all. Um, but also a mishmash of Pyle's father and her best friend from New York, Mati, who um, is from Hart, who is Hart, was based on Paulinho Payakin. Hmm. P-A-I-A-K-A-N, uh, chief of the Kayapo people and one of the best-known indigenous defenders of the Amazon rainforest. And Kwame, uh, who controlled Earth, was a combination of several young men, uh, two from Zimbabwe and from, one from Ghana, uh, that Pyle had met while making environmental documentaries. So cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, awesome. I had no idea about literally any of this until I read this article and was That's like, wild. oh. Oh, okay. I didn't really understand, but that's really fucking cool. And then, uh, so Captain Planet was supposed to be, like, the basically character that brought everything together. And uh, Ted Turner basically hired Barbara Pyle in 1980 and was like, you need to start making global issues more fun and when she got to yeah <laughs> and apparently he randomly just yelled captain planet to her and when she was like who is that and he was like that's your problem oh and that's basically God. how all of that started it's amazing yeah right what a toxic boss but an effective one yeah you know like it did work out in the end yeah okay? But yeah, so um, all of the episodes had messages, and I mean, we're, what, 30-something years past, still. and it still is, like, all of these yeah. are messages that we still need, it's still important. And people still it's know still who Captain America, or also, Captain Planet is. Exactly. And Captain it's, America. And that song is still a goddamn bop. Oh, yeah. It's still awesome. Mm -hmm. So. Amazing. So that's Captain Planet. Love it. Really fun. Uh, God bless Barbara Pyle doing the Lord's work. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. It, it is interesting, like the two shows with the different moral themes and stuff like that. I will also say that there's a great Captain Planet, like college humor bit or something like that with Don, Don Cheadle as Captain yep. Planet. And he just like burns everybody or so like funny. kills people. Like you're it's not wrong. It's wicked funny. It's, uh, it's well worth checking out. Go fuck out. up Dr. Blight. Just kidding. She's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, don't don't touch Doctor Blight. But. There's a lot of other other ugly people that you could hit first. Yeah, like Hog Hog Greedly. Hoggish Greedly. Hoggish. Hoggish. Terrible name. My name's Hoggish. My name is Hoggish Greedly, and I'm really greedy and hoggy. Yeah, and he had like a pig nose. Yeah, 
weird. He's clearly like a gluttony art like thing. Oh yeah, I'm like totally. okay, guys, that's fine. Yeah, the villain, the look of the villains is like it's very cartoony and silly, wild. Yeah, and like I feel like very GI Joe. It is very GI Joe, definitely strange. Yes. But yeah, what a good show. Exactly. So I really want to go back and watch, rewatch now both of these. So I'll have to figure out a good place to find that. Yeah, it, it is funny looking at the animation of uh, of Captain Planet because it is so clearly, you know, American cartoon yep. animation. Whereas like Thundercats is like it's been it like early in, anime, yeah. and it, it, it like is really kind of blends both of them. Yeah. That's fascinating. I literally cannot believe that fucking Thundercats is ranking bass. That is... Isn't that crazy? Mind-numbingly ridiculous. But yeah, um, so that is our episode. We, Good episode. Yeah, it was really fun. It was nice to um, have you come and this do This is an great. Episode. Yeah, we'll it was awesome. do more in the future. Yeah, um, I would love to. This yeah, is super fun. Exactly. Well, it's always fun when you're like, I love this thing. I'm going to do a bunch of yeah. research about it and learn something new about it. And... Have my mind blown a little bit about some, like, dumb things that I didn't need to know, but now I do, and I can pepper this into random conversation when nobody wants to talk about it. (laughs) And I promise that most of mine will be two hours long. (laughs) This is the least surprise face I've ever made. Yeah, I know. It's, like, so obvious. (laughs) Yeah, this is great. Um, Do you have, like, a sign-off for the show? We do. So, basically... Just uh, if you guys uh, can rate, review, and subscribe, yep. uh, it's Smash always that good like to button. see that. Smash that like button, <laughs> all that shit. Um, we have an email, so if you have any ideas or any topics that you're like, this would be a really great topic, and we would love to hear one of you nerds talk about it. Mm. My list is extensive. Sam saw it earlier. It's probably yeah, it's on there. Massive. So if you could give me some direction, I would be really happy about it. Totally. Our email is, but first, let's talk nerdy. At yahoo.com. We also have an Instagram, but first let's talk nerdy. Then you can check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We're also on the ESO network and on Podbean. But yeah, so. Well, sweet. I guess we talked nerdy. We did. (laughs) And uh, we will see you next, next Tuesday. Bye. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say uh-huh. is that I remixed your intro music. Yes. So uh, when people... We definitely, I was going to say, mentioned it at the beginning. But probably, like, yeah. Yeah. But if people hear, so there's the intro the music, very, which like, I think really like, made the intro yeah. music, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you hear a remix version of it, which I think plays at the end, and sometimes in the middle, it has like a little bit of like a breakbeat to it and some chords and stuff. I did that. Uh, Kevin will remix in whatever weird thing that I did a bad job saying. Yeah, like that. at the end, mm-hmm. so good. Or when you taught, made Luna into the dragon. There's a Luna the dragon song, which is great. Luna the dragon. Mm-hmm. Luna. 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 Luna, 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 the dragon, the dragon, Luna, Luna, the dragon, Luna, the dragon, and Martha, I love her, loving her, I love her, Luna, the dragon, Luna, the dragon, and Martha, I love her.
loving her. I love her. Luna. The dragon. Luna. The dragon. Luna. The dragon. Luna. The dragon. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.